appreciate the singing this morning and thankful for this opportunity uh, to be back up here to preach the Word of God. And I, I'm thankful for the calling that God's placed upon my life. I wouldn't want to be than a preacher. Uh, and I know it comes with its uh, difficult times. It comes with its blessed times. But anything else, you can have it. I want to do what I'm doing. Amen? And I'm so thankful that I got to come down and spend this weekend with you all. And uh, it goes by too quick. Amen? It just goes by too quick. But I'm thankful for uh, this, these moments that we have had. I'm going to be in 2 Kings chapter number 7 tonight. 2 Kings chapter number 7. Second Kings, chapter number 7. I'm going to read the first two verses for our text tonight. And uh, after I read this, I'll get you caught up with where we're at in this passage of Scripture. Second Kings, chapter 7. We'll begin with verse number 1. When you have your place, say Amen. The Bible says this, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. Let us pray. Father, Lord, we need you tonight. Lord, more than we've ever needed you before. And as it's already been said, Lord, it was a wonderful, uh, Lord, service that we had this morning. But that service has already passed and gone. And we don't want to live on this morning's blessing. Lord, we want to live on the moment that you've given us tonight. And I pray that you would touch our hearts, that you would bless us, through your holy word, and Lord, that you would give me the power to preach in the Spirit of God things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. To give you some context of where we're at in the Word of God, we see that the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, has just invaded and besieged Samaria. Now, Samaria is the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. So it's a very important city. And so the king of Syria, he's came in, he's invaded them, and it's brought this city into chaos. They are experiencing a collapse in the economy, so much so that there's a great famine that's come upon the land. Uh, material goods, food that they would purchase at a decent price has now escalated to a point that the basic ingredients that they need to cook their food, they cannot afford. We know a little bit about that today. Every time you pull into the gas station, you know what I'm talking about. But then Elisha comes on the scene. And I love Elisha. Elisha is such a wonderful man of God. He was the man that asked Elijah, he said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And if you read the life of Elisha, he actually did double what Elijah done. And so here he is coming to the king of Israel. And he says, 
this time tomorrow, not next week, not next year, but he said this time tomorrow, the food that you need to make your basic food that you cannot afford now, you'll be able to purchase at the cheapest price that it can be purchased by. Now, if you would have heard that, and I'll give you some perspective here. If I was to come to you and say, this time tomorrow, gas is going to be a dollar a gallon. You would say, preacher, you have lost it. Ohio has ruined your mind. But if I was to say that, you're going to have the same reaction that they would have had as Elisha comes with this message from God. And there is a man who the Bible says he's a Lord in the nation of Israel. Meaning he's a man of stature. He's a man of prestige. He's a man of honor. And the king of Israel is actually using him to lean upon. He's a man that stands side by side with the king of Israel. And he makes this statement. He says, if the Lord was to open the windows of heaven, he said, might this thing be? And basically what he's saying is, even if the Lord was to get in on this, I still don't believe that this miracle could happen at this time period that you're proclaiming it's going to happen. And Elisha, and I love the prophets of the Old Testament because they were so bold. I pray that God would give us some preachers that are that bold. I pray that God would give me a spirit to be bold for His name. I don't want to be mean. I want to be bold. I don't want to be rude and crude. I want to be bold for the Lord Jesus Christ. But he told this man, he says, and I'm going to put this in my own words, okay? He, he says this, he says, not only is the Lord going to do it, but you're going to see it. But in seeing it, you're not going to get to experience it because you have doubted what I have told you. Tonight, folks, I want to preach from this scripture on this thought, missing a miracle. Missing a miracle. How many miracles from God do we miss as His children? Because we will not believe what God has said and what God can do. I don't know about you, but I need God more now than I've ever needed it. I need a touch from heaven more now than I've ever needed it before in my life. And I cannot waste precious moments when I, that I have, like tonight, being in the house of God. I can't waste these moments and allow this service to slip by and not receive what God has for me. Amen. Folks, you need to understand every time that you enter into this building and every time the service begins, God has something for you. God wants to give you something through the Word of God as Brother Prophet faithfully stands up here and proclaims what thus saith the Lord. And if you do not come prepared not just to hear Him, but to believe what God has said through His Word. Because as we preach, folks, we need to understand this. You ain't hearing us. That's a problem with a lot of church people. They just hear the preacher, but they don't hear the big preacher behind the little preacher saying... This is what God is telling you. This is what God has for you. And when we don't hear God and we do not believe God, we miss a miracle. Yeah, right. Now as we get into this passage of Scripture, I just want to give you a few points uh, tonight and then I will go back to Ohio or something, okay? 
Here's the first thing I want you to see. I want you to see that God's power, this is the reason why he missed this miracle. God's power was doubted. And his power was doubted, first of all, because he doubted God's word. Notice when Elisha comes on the scene, he says this. Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. He didn't say, King, I've got a message that I want to give to you tonight. Something that I have been pondering about and meditating upon. Something that I have come up with in my own heart. No, he's saying, here's what God has told me to tell you. And when we get up to preach, folks, or when you begin to witness to someone, there's power in thus saith the Lord. There is power when you proclaim, here's what God has for you tonight. And I don't know about you, of the enthusiasm. I, I love when a preacher gets up and he has some spirit about him and he, he preaches with a, a sense of excitement. But folks, all that excitement means nothing if he's not giving you the Bible. That's how, many, how so many churches have been deceived because they see the preacher and they see such... I, I mean, he's just excited to preach. And he gets up and you say, well, a preacher that, that, that happy and that excite, but excited and that on fire, he must be sent from God not understanding it's not how we say it. It's what we're saying. Now, I, I, want, I want to hear a preacher that believes what he says and he's excited about what he says and there's a feel, sense of feeling in what he is saying. But the most important thing is what is he saying? Is He giving us the truth? Is He proclaiming the truth of God's Word? And if He's proclaiming the truth of God's Word, you need to run as fast as you can from that type of preacher. Amen. 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 I, tell the, I tell the church at Pleasant View, and I know this is dangerous ground, me being the pastor, but I tell every one of them, don't take my word for it. Amen. That's dangerous just to believe someone because he has a title. I don't care if I'm the pastor. I'm a man. And as a man, I am liable to make mistakes. I'm liable to miss it at some point. Now, I don't want you to be mean about it. And I don't want you to be disrespectful and jump up in the middle of the church and say, he's a devil because he missed it. Okay, there's a way of doing it. Pull me to the side and say, preacher, I think you missed that. And here's why. And don't give me, well, I just think. No, I want to see it from the Word of God. Why you think I missed it. But the main thing is, God's Word always trumps ours. God's Word trumps the denomination that you're affiliated with. God's Word trumps the preacher that you call pastor. And I'm not saying that Brother Prophet is ever going to get up here and try to deceive you. If I know his heart, and I believe I do, he wants to do what God wants him to do. And that's my desire. I want to preach the truth of God's Word. And when we come with, here's what the Bible says, take it in. Listen. And believe it with all of your heart. Don't just hear the message and say, oh, that was a neat way he said it. No, take it as God has spoken to my heart and therefore I'm going to believe it with all of my heart. They doubted God's Word, but then they doubted God's work. He says, if the Lord was to open up the windows of heaven, 
might this thing be? I don't know if God can do this. Have you now, folks? Be honest with me tonight. Remove your halo just for a minute. Then you can put back, put it back on. Okay. Remove that halo just for a second. How many of you? And you don't have to raise your hand. You know your own heart. How many of you can honestly say that you've got in a predicament before, and you didn't have a clue? how God was going to bring you through it. And because you didn't know how God was going to do it, you doubted whether God was going to do it. I've been in those moments where I said, Lord, this is a tough situation. And I know You're God. And I understand You're God. But this is tough. How are You going to do this? How are You going to pull everybody through? How are You going to make a way when our, in our eyes there is no way? But God, being God, can step back and say, watch. Let me show you how I can do this. Let me show you how I can make a way when there is no way. Let me show you how I can put a door in your vision that you did not see before. I think about the story in Genesis chapter number 21. We see that Hagar has just been sent off because, you know, it's hard to have Two women in one room and both of them get along, okay? No, I love you all. Promise, I love you all. But they, they were having some problems and she was sent off. And there she had drunk all the water and they had run out of food and they had run out of nourishment. And she was wondering, how in the world are we going to survive? And she takes her son and she puts him in one place and she walks off because she does not want to see her son die of starvation and die of thirst. And the Bible says this, that God opened her eyes and she saw a well. Folks, do you understand that the answer is there? We just can't see it. The, the, he's already, he already has the solution right before us. We just can't see it. So sometimes God has to open our eyes for, them, for us to understand, okay, this is what you're doing. And then we feel about that big forever doubting our God. But this is what this man's saying. He's saying, even if God got into this, and He opened up the windows of heaven, and He began to pour out His blessings, I still don't think He can do what you're saying in the time that you're saying it. Folks, there was a packed house, and Brother Prophet said this morning, that's not normal for the day and time that we live in. It's not normal to see a church that's full, especially when this church is preaching the truth. It's hard to see that. Folks, that came, that came because there's a group of people here that believes that God still can. That God can still work. That God can still do miracles. That God can still make a way when there is no way. That is what is required to see God do something that we've never seen before. Folks, I, I think it's sad. One of, the, one of the most terrifying Scriptures is at the very end of Matthew chapter number 13, where it says He couldn't do many works there because of their unbelief. Folks, I, I, it breaks my heart to think what God wants to do at Pleasant View Baptist Church in Grove City, Ohio. But things that we will never see because we don't believe. It terrifies me to think of what God wants to do here at Bethel. But things that you may not see because you do not believe. 
Folks, we cannot doubt God's Word and we cannot doubt God's work because God can. And I know you know that. But I want to remind you tonight that God can still work. The Bible teaches us that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Because it says this, that he that cometh to Him must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. He says if you're going to come to God, you better believe that He is and that He can. And when we come with that attitude and that type of faith, who knows what God can do? Who knows how God can bless? So we see that God's power was doubted. But here's the second thing I want you to see in this passage. I want you to see God's power demonstrated. It was not only doubted, but it was demonstrated. Because we get to verse number 2. He says, at the very end, He says, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes. He's saying here that God's going to show you how powerful He is. And how He does this, folks. <laughs> it blows my mind how He does it. Let me tell you how He does it. Okay? I'm not going to be too long-winded tonight, but I didn't get to preach this morning, so I'm going to double up on you, okay? I'm going home after this anyhow. But we see that there's four leprous men. Men of leprosy. And they're like everyone else. They're starving. And they have a group meeting. And they said, guys, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. If we stay here and do nothing, we're going to die of starvation. But he says, if we surrender ourselves to the Syrians, maybe they'll have mercy and they'll feed us. Or at worst, they'll kill us, but we're going to die anyhow. And so they have a group boat and they decide we're going to give ourselves over to the Syrians and see if they'll be merciful to us. And so they go into the camp of the Syrians and they start looking around. And nobody's there. I mean, there's not a soul there. And you say, what happened to this great army who was able to invade the capital city of Israel, take all of their spoils, and run away with all that they have? What happened to this great city? Well, the Bible teaches us what happened. The Bible says that God made them hear the sound of the trumpet, or the chariots, the sound of the horses, and the sound of a great host. They never seen it. They just heard it. But God's so powerful, when you just hear something from Him, it scares you to death. I think about there in the wilderness, when God speaks from the mountain, they told Moses, they said, listen, we, we haven't seen Him, but hearing Him was enough. Here's what we're going to do from now on. You be the mediator, you just tell us what He says. Because just hearing His voice is enough to scare us out of our minds. And so they just heard the sound. And they ran for their life. Nobody's there. And these four lepers, they're going into tent after tent, collecting the food and collecting the spoils of the, the, the people that they had invaded. And all of a sudden, their conscience began to smite them. Because they're like, listen, folks, we, we have a whole country that's starving to death. And it, it wouldn't be nice of us to sit here and get all these goods together 
and not help our brothers and sisters. So we need to go to the king and tell him what we have experienced today. And folks, that's a lot of people right now. They've experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ. They've experienced the goodness of the Lord, but they don't go back and tell anyone else who is starving for the truth like they were starving for the truth. They just hold it in. But these four men didn't. They went back and they told. Well, at first they thought it was a setup, but after some investigation, they seen that they were telling the truth. And they went in and they began to collect the spoils. They collected the food. So much so that the material the goods that they needed to survive that they could not afford was sold at the cheapest possible rate that it could be sold. Just like the man of God, Elisha, had told them as God had given that message to the nation of Israel. God showed how powerful He is. He showed how powerful He is. I'll, I'll give you just one little illustration. And I know this is not anything compared to this, but I want to show you how easy it is to doubt. And then God show you. I can remember, and this has not been long ago, we were getting ready to start church. And I, I usually go over super early. I know Brother Prophet's always here super early. And I turn on the lights. And all the lights come on. And I get about halfway across our sanctuary and all the lights go off. We lost our electric. Lost everything. And I'm doing what any preacher at that time would do. I'm on my knees in prayer asking God to turn the light. No, I'm panicking. Okay? I'm absolutely panicking. And I'm sitting here and I'm looking and I'm, what are we going to do? We, we don't have any lights. And so I started saying, okay, if it doesn't come on at this time, I'm going to have to call and cancel Sunday school because, you know, we're, we're Baptists. We like our comforts, okay? We, we want everything just right. So if it doesn't come on at this time, I, I, I've got to cancel. And sure enough, that time had come and it gone. I'd done a one call and say, hey, we have no electric. We're not having Sunday school this morning. About five to ten minutes after I got off the phone, Lights came on. And God, I mean, it's just one of those moments, O oh, ye of little faith. How many times does God have to come through for us before we'll actually believe that He is all-powerful? We sit here and we preach that our God is omnipotent. There's nothing that He cannot do. But folks, in the basic things of life, when we can actually demonstrate our faith in an omnipotent God, we fail and we fail and we fail. And we, I wonder how many times is He going to have to show us? The disciples, they were, were sailing and they, they, they had just come from doing a great work and Jesus looks over to them and He says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they took that as a rebuke because they had forgotten to get the bread for their journey. So they said, oh, the Lord's calling us out because we forgot to get bread. And Jesus looked at them and He said, don't you remember what I did when I fed the 5,000? How many baskets did you have left? What about when I fed the 4,000 with such limited resources? How many leftovers did you have? What are you all? 
Twelve disciples. You think I can't take care of you? Folks, how many times we forget how powerful our God is. We see God's power demonstrated. Now, last of all, we see God's power declined. Because it says there at the end of verse 2, it says, Thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. So this man, the Lord of the nation of Israel, a Lord, not the Lord, a Lord of the nation of Israel, a man that the king leaned upon, that he was his right-hand man, a, a, a person of uh, high authority. He, when all this took place, and they had come to this camp to see the Syrians gone, here the nation of Israel, they began to just funnel in to this camp, so much so that the king of Israel is trying to get some kind of grip over this, because what will any politician do when he sees an opportunity to get gain out of something, he's going to do it. And so what he does is he uses this man as the gatekeeper. So this man is in control of who's coming in to the camp of the Syrians. But you take a people. And I didn't tell you this part because I wanted to save it to this moment. You take a people that was so desperate and so hungry that they were actually committing cannibalism. They were eating their own children. Now that's Bible, okay? Just read the previous chapter. You'll see that I'm telling you the truth. They had began to eat their own children. That They, they were so hungry. When you take a people that desperate, that they're willing to go to those lengths to take care of their starvation... You ain't going to keep them out of a camp that's filled with food. And so here this man who says, if the Lord was to open up the windows of heaven, this, might, they, might this thing be? He's sitting there keeping the gate, but he cannot keep this great crowd of people out of the gate. And so they began to push him over. And as he falls to the ground, they began to step on him as they go on into the camp, so much so that he dies. Now, you may say the Bible's not interesting. Read it. And you'll see these type of stories all throughout the Word of God. And so he dies. But here's the thing I want you to see. He saw a camp with so much food that they were able to sell it at a price that was so cheap that it was unbelievable. He's seen it, but he never got to experience it. Why? Because he did not believe. And he missed a great miracle. Folks, I do not want to be that man. I do not want to be the man who God opens up a door and says, here, I have something for you. I have a blessing for you that your mind will not be able to comprehend. Do not, do not allow that to get in the way. Just believe what I'm telling you. Don't try to figure it out because my ways are above your ways. Don't try to think it through because my thoughts are greater than your thoughts. Just believe what I am telling you. Folks, at 19 years old, sitting in my bedroom, I couldn't believe that a God who is perfect and holy 
and righteous would want such a vile sinner such as I. And I still to this day cannot comprehend that. I cannot speak to you tonight and say, here's why God loves me. Here's why God saved me. I can't tell you. Because I don't know why He would save such a wretch as I am. But I didn't sit there and try to figure it out. I did not try to comprehend the mind of God. I just believe what He said when He said, I sent My Son to die in your place, that on the cross of Calvary, His precious blood that was shed was for your forgiveness, was for your atonement, and I believe it with all of my heart. I accept it with all of my heart. I don't want to figure anything else out. I just want to believe what God said. Then He said, Brandon, I want you to preach. Lord, (laughs) like, have you ever stood in front of a crowd? That's scary. You put a ball in my hand, I can, I can play in front of how many ever people you want to put out there. But have me to actually speak. And the first message I preached, folks, was about ten minutes imitation and all. My, have I changed. Amen. And so here I say, Lord, wait a minute. There's so many others that are more talented. There's so many others that have better charisma. There's so many others that you can use that have greater gifts than I have. Why in the world would you pick me? That's not up to me to figure out. That's not up to me to sit here and ponder and say why. It's just up to me to say, yes, Lord. If that's what you want, I'll do it to the best of my ability. And Lord, I know my abilities are not enough But where I fell, I'm praying that the power of the Spirit of God would uplift me to the place where I could be used by God to accomplish what He wants me to accomplish. But I do not want to be that person who walks away and say, Lord, you can't do it. There's no way that this could happen. There's no way, Lord, that you could possibly make a way for me to be able to accomplish this. I just want to say, here am I. Send me. And folks, if you're lost tonight, do not miss the greatest miracle of all. And that is the miracle of the new birth. Of how you could be saved tonight. We heard such wonderful testimonies this morning. Could you imagine if one of those people said, no, I want no part of this. Can you imagine what they would have missed? Could you imagine what they would have missed? But they said, yes. Don't understand it all, but I'm going to believe it. I don't understand it all, but I'm going to trust it. I do not want to miss that miracle. But folks, if you walk away from it, you're going to be like this man who one day, and I don't say this just to scare you, I say this to scare you. Amen. But just like this man, one day, we're going to leave this world. And if you reject Christ, you're going to leave this world, and in hell you're going to lift up your eyes. And when thousands and thousands, I know there's no time, but when thousands of years have passed by, that miracle is never going to come back your way. It's too late. And so as you're sitting there in the miseries of hell wondering, will I get another chance? You're always going to see, he that believeth not is damned. There's no other chance. Don't miss your miracle. 
And folks, I don't want to be like that person that I've heard so many times. God called me to preach. But I didn't obey. God called me to do this ministry. But I didn't obey. God called me to do this. Or God called me to do that. But I didn't listen. And I have been miserable ever since. I just want to say, Lord, whatever you want. That's what I want to do. And just trust Him with the results. Just trust. It's not my job to win them. It's just my job to tell them. It's not my job to build the church. It's just my job to be faithful. And He'll do the rest. But folks, don't miss your miracle tonight. Let us pray. Father, Lord, we ask that